Welcome to Inside Impact, where we give you a behind-the-scenes peek at how organizations can create positive change in their communities. I'm Melissa Herr, founder of Unity Web Agency, and on the show today, I get to talk with one of the most dynamic entrepreneurs I've ever met, John Samuel. His personal mission is to create a workforce where everyone feels included. John is the co-founder of Abler, a digital accessibility and inclusion company that was founded on the key principle that all digital content, including websites, videos, and applications, should be accessible for everyone, no exception. If you haven't heard John's story before, I strongly encourage you to find his TED Talk on YouTube because it's truly jaw-dropping. To summarize, John started losing his vision in college, but he was embarrassed and didn't want to tell anyone. After graduation, he worked all over the globe, India, New York City, Cameroon, gradually learning how to get around and problem solve without being able to see much. But one problem he kept encountering was using a computer without being able to see the screen, and it made him worry that his career was over. So once he came back to the US for his MBA, he learned about a man named Ed Summers who had developed software to help people who are blind and low vision visualize graphs and charts using sounds. Coincidentally, Ed was from John's hometown and had the exact same rare eye condition. He figured if Ed could get around and have a career in tech, he could too. So when John and his family decided to move back to his hometown, he was on the phone with his dad planning the move. And as he's driving, he's talking to the phone, he starts yelling at something. I'm like, what are you doing, Dad? And he's like, oh, there's a blind guy on the road. Maybe it's a guy you're trying to get in touch with. Like, Dad, please, 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 you know, don't yell at anyone blind. And he's like, all right, gets out of the car, walks with a poor guy and says, are you Ed Summers? And uh, the guy says, yes, I am. After apologizing to Ed, he agreed to meet me and uh, that changed my life. He, he eventually introduced me to LCI, which mm -hmm. happens to be the largest employer of Americans who are blind based right here in RTP. I joined the company tasked with creating a new business that would create upper mobility for people who are blind and low vision. That company John was tasked to develop eventually became Abler, the digital accessibility and inclusion company. It launched in 2020, right around the time of the election. Something that got us some notoriety was that we did the accessibility assessment of the presidential candidates. So President Trump and President Biden. I the, didn't you know. know that. Yeah, so wow. we did an assessment of their websites and it got picked up. Mm -hmm. on some national, you know, magazines. And so that really helped us. But it was, it, you know, the business, it was slow to come in. So for the first six months, we were like, oh, my gosh, did, is this not going the way we want it? Yeah. And, and, and then something happened. We had an internal meeting. You know, we had, we grew faster than we had business, right? Yeah. So we had, business was trickling in. We had maybe 10 people on the team. We had this like just group strategy meeting like for the next fiscal year and mm -hmm. we were having this meeting and uh, it, it was terrible, like terrible. And it brought us all the tears. Mm -hmm. I've and, had those meetings. <laughs> They're not fun. <laughs> right? And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, And we had a plan for a two-day session. Mm -hmm. And after the two days, we didn't accomplish any of our goals. And the, finally, we're like, all right, let's just at least get core values. Let's just get that done and then we'll be happy. We'll go to the bar and that's it. Yeah. And so... We ended up putting our core values of grit and uh, growth mindset, relationships, mm -hmm. initiative, and trust. And so that was our, that was grit. And Those are good. Yeah. And, and the and acronym grit, right? works even as another, a whole other value on exactly. top of it. Exactly. And you that's what, five. <laughs> exactly. But after that meeting, it was like, 
we knew we had to make some difficult decisions. Yeah. And we, when we looked at our team and said, we need to have people who represent these, these core values, we had to make some cuts. Yeah. And, and that happened. And uh, it was very difficult. But from that moment on, yeah, like it was like a, a, a light switch. Mm-hmm. And we just started to really, really get new business, work as a team, gel. And it, it's been amazing since then. And one of the big projects that really kind of triggered that was we got the North Carolina Election Board, making sure that the absentee and elections are you know, voting is accessible. It's hugely important. Right? And it's yeah. like when you think about you know uh, accessibility and voting, to me, both of them are civil rights. Yes. You know? uh, human rights. And that's what we need to be able to have. And uh, to be able to be part of that in back home in North Carolina to make sure that all people can vote is super exciting. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm curious about the process that you did to to find your core values. Are you using EOS? We are. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, yeah, the, those EOS, the early meetings um, brought me to tears many yes. times. They're very hard. Yes. Yeah. Who oh, are you? <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to include who, but I'm curious, who are you working with as your implementer? Oh, gosh. I forget. Um, Walt. Walt. Walt Whitman or Walt, not Walt Whitman. Well, Walt, <laughs> yes, yeah, Walt. I've heard of Walt. Um, I think his office is actually in my therapist's building. Oh, really? <laughs> so I see his name when I go in there. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that name. Because we actually didn't use Walt. We actually tried using Walt when we were LCI Tech, and we did yeah. a modified because LCI was an EOS business. Oh, it is. And, and so then we tried to – that was the problem. LCI is such a large organization. Uh-huh. We tried to bring it into – we first took their core values, and that's oh, not the right thing to do. Right. And yeah. then we had to really kind of get down to what our core values were. And, mm-hmm. and when we started thinking about the growth mindset of why that was important to us, it's like we had to start to think about, like, we had to think forward. We had to be, you know, how are we going to grow? We need to be that hunger. We yeah. need that hunger. And the relationships really was kind of partnerships. And we knew we're not going to be successful without partners and mm-hmm. other individuals and organizations, you know, advocating and, and allyship. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, we were, we're, we're breaking down a lot of barriers and you can't do that alone. Right. So that's where that relates and relationships. And, and that also kind of ties into the internal relationships. Yeah. And an initiative. You know, one thing that I saw was in the initial days, people were just waiting for myself or Mike to tell people, we got to do this, go mm. do this. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, if you're in a startup, everyone's wearing every type of hat yes. and you've got to take initiative to say, what's in the best interest of our goals, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and then finally trust. We had to have trust that people are going to do what they say they're going to do. And especially when we're working remote, right? got to know. Yeah, founding a company during, or I mean, I guess it was kind of a pivot of you had, you were at LCI Tech and then LCI Tech has kind of morphed into Abler yeah. in a way. But all of that happened during the, the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, creating a joint venture. We had LCI Tech. And so yeah. it's almost like you, we have our ways of doing things. And now mm-hmm. we have to we have to create this. Like Micah and Nelly and I, you know, I'm no longer a individual founder yeah. to being a me, co-founder. And so to be able to have a co-founder and build that relationship, is a, it's, a whole, it's a whole different thing. Right. And yeah, when you're not able to see each other on a daily basis or have that proximity, yeah. it really is hard. Oh, yeah, that's a whole big barrier. And that was, I think, the first thing we had to address mm-hmm. was how do we work together? Yeah. I mean, I mean and, it, and we had to put away, put aside our egos of, you know, and in the betterment of our mission. Yeah. Towards the beginning of the pandemic, mm-hmm. 
my company, Unity Web Agency, we actually went through a bit of a rebranding. Yeah. And it was in April of 2020 that we launched our new brand from, we were previously Unity Digital Agency, yeah. and we relaunched as Unity Web Agency, and we went all in on accessibility. Yeah. And that's actually how we met, was really through the local accessibility, well, no, it wasn't even through an accessibility community, it was just, we both ran into each other at this disability um Job yeah. fair. Well, yeah, because I think the RTP Foundation, when I was reaching out, I was just cold calling yeah. anybody and everyone, saying accessibility, accessibility. And that's when uh, at the RTP Foundation, it's like, oh, uh, you need to talk to Unity. Yeah. And that's how we got connected. And they were doing some type of like disability awareness event. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we met yeah, there. Yeah, we met there. And I'm really glad we did because I was looking for ways that we could make our websites more accessible and like how yeah. do we make sure we're doing that better? And so we both share that passion. Yes. And so when I when we rebranded and we went all in on accessibility, the first year of business was great. But the second year of business, we actually realized that we were alienating people by saying by by going so far in on accessibility and saying that like we build accessible websites that there were actually people that were like, well, I don't need that. Yeah. You know, and it was like, oh, man. So we've had to, like, walk it back a little bit. And after walking back our marketing messaging from being all in on accessibility, now it's just everything that we do is accessible. All the sites that we build are accessible, yep. but that's not what we're selling anymore. We're yeah. selling websites yeah. again. It's just a really interesting pivot that I – I was surprised by for ourselves just in the last year, I think. And it was in one of our annuals, in our annual meeting, I think, that we were like, are we, why is business not going well? Yeah. What is it about our marketing messaging that's not going well? Yeah. But I'm curious, like, with Abler, have you experienced any of that with getting started with a business or like when things were slow, was it because people weren't interested in accessibility or they thought it was going to be too expensive or like what was it that kind of held people back from? Yeah, it's a great question. Cause like when we first started um, to look at it, it was like, we were, we thought these are the people who need it. Yeah. So we're like, here, you need this, you need this. And they did not see it. We weren't walking them to the river to, we, yeah. weren't, we weren't walking them to it. And so we were trying to sell people who didn't get it, want it, or have the capacity to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. Going back to that EOS, they get it, want it capacity, right? Yes. And so we use that same mentality where you're looking at employees, take it to customers. Oh. Do your customers get it, right? Do they right. want it? And do they have the capacity to pay for it, right? And so, or do it, right? Remediate. And so when we, we kind of shifted our model and said, like, we don't want to waste our time trying to convince everybody to do accessibility. Mm -hmm. But if you want to do it, we're going to be here for you, right? We're going to yeah. help you. And we're not going to just say it's all or nothing. Like, you got to do all accessibility or not. Mm -hmm. We're going to meet you wherever you are on your accessibility journey. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to help you. And we're going to take it in a phase approach. Because if you say, we can't do it if it's not fully accessible. Yeah. And that was our mentality before. We were so much like militant about it. Uh -huh. Then they were like, hey, that's not for us. Yeah. We say, hey, let's take it bite-sized steps. Let's do these couple pages. Let's do this. Let's show you how to do this. And then when we tied it into the DEI and said, we're not selling yeah. you accessibility. We're selling you inclusion to an entire community. That really changed the kind of narrative. That's good. That's yeah. really important. I want to talk about accessibility overlays for there websites. There we go. Yeah. 
So accessibility overlays are marketed as a one-stop fix or like a complete one-stop shop to make your website accessible and avoid any lawsuits that might come from your website not being accessible. And they generally are very low investment and really easy to install on a website, which is the draw for them. It's a it's a problem, and I've been trying to find ways to address it with people. I've had um, conversations with people that say they think that they're so helpful because when they install an overlay, they think their their perception is that any content that they add to their website at any point, it's one hundred percent accessible yeah. no matter what. What are some challenges that these overlays have presented to the disability community and specifically the community that needs to use different kinds of um, adaptive technologies? Is that what they're called? Assistive technologies. Assistive technologies to to access information on the website. Yeah. You know, they often say, it's just a line of code. Yeah. It's just a line of code and you're going to be 100% compliant, right? Right. And so what those overlays, they're saying, it's just a mask over your website. But when I, as an individual who uses a screen reader, which is an assistive technology that reads the text and images that are on the the screen back to me to tell me what's going on, you know, often those overlays aren't giving me the information I actually need. It's not actually usable. Mm-hmm. So what they're accessible, why they're compliant is that when somebody runs a, you know, one of these little uh, automated testers to say, like, these are what these these law by lawsuits are doing, they're putting on just a, a actual like, testing quickly to see if it's accessible through this little automated tester. Oh, it is. It's accessible. That's when they move on. But it's not actually usable for when actual people like myself come to your site using an overlay. And and it's been really difficult to, you know, that's one of the things we have to educate people on is like you're putting a Band-Aid over the issue. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, your leg is broken. A Band-Aid's not going to stop that, right? You may yeah. you may tell me, oh, you, you have a Band-Aid. That's great. But I don't know that you're actually broken. And so, and that's when we really kind of shifted our focus too, is like what makes Abler unique versus other digital accessibility organizations or software-like overlays is the fact that we are making content usable for people with disabilities. So yes. not only we're taking compliance, compliance, ADA, all those, whatever you, whatever compliance requirements you want to say, that's just the table stakes. Yeah. We're taking it to the next level. We're making it usable. And when we make it usable for people with disabilities, it's going to improve the usability for all people. Yes. And so one of the greatest examples that anybody and everybody can relate to is curb cuts. Right? You've heard the example mm-hmm. of curb cuts. When you see a curb cut on a road, you know those were designed for individuals who are, are, are wheelchair users. But how many of us use it on a daily basis? I have, I have two little kids, and we push a stroller, you know, using those curb cuts. Yeah. Right? You know, suitcases when you're traveling. Everybody benefits from it. But it was designed for one group of people. And same thing when we make websites and digital content applications accessible for and usable for all people, it's going to benefit everyone. Yeah. The example that I like to use for, or maybe it's not an example. The analogy. I guess that I mm-hmm. like to use for those accessibility overlays is I like to think of it as a restaurant in an old building from like the 18th century, yeah. right? And there's steps to get up in it. But in the back by the kitchen, they've got they've got uh, curb cuts, right? So that they can get their carts up yeah. and all of that. And so technically, uh, 
they can say, oh, well, we do have an accessible entrance, but you have to go through the kitchen. Yeah. And it's like relegating a whole group of people to this less than ideal way of accessing the restaurant yeah. <laughs> through a kitchen. Yeah. Or, you know, it's it's just that's not it's not the same. No. You're using a back door. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, the backdoor solution, and and when we regulate, when we say digital accessibility is a line of code, mm -hmm. that is not the case. Accessibility is about a user's experience. Yes, that's the difference. So when you say I can make, I can solve all your solutions with a line of code, they're, they're selling snake oil right there. It's because like right. that user, it, that they're not part of that experience, right? Right. And so, you know, one of the things that, you know, why I think overlays have gotten so popular is that. They just have a lot of marketing budget. Yeah, they do. They're pumping it out. Every Google ad is like that, right? And and, it, and it's sad, right? It's really sad. But again, I think if organizations, you know, as we start to really think about DEI and accessibility, again, what we're learning is DEI is not just a, when we talk about beyond the checkbox. Mm -hmm. That's what it is, right? We're talking about overlays are just a checkbox. But when you go beyond that and actually think about it, it's about your customers coming to your site. It's about those employees who are coming to your site. It's about all those individuals that you are trying to, to reach out to. That's what accessibility is about. And so when you go with these overlays, you're, you're, you're really not thinking about those individuals. Right. I see these overlays as a big competitor for my own company. Oh, yes. And, and it's a big competitor for Abler as well. Uh, interesting enough, I'd say they're more... They're a competitor to the web developers. The, oh, okay. So then, yeah. Because to Abler, <laughs> what's happening is organizations who had it on their website, now they're like, oh, crap. <laughs> it's not working. Yeah. And that they're getting in trouble still. Yeah. And so then they're coming to Abler like, hey, we need you to fix this. We got duped. Mm -hmm. And that's what we get. It's the number of people who are getting duped, but it's a small businesses, I feel like. Maybe ex they just have the perception like I just built a new site and I got this yeah. accessibility widget on or I overlay a widget over audio whatever it is and now I'm all compliant and then they yeah. get in trouble and that's what that's kind of the sad thing I feel like it's a small people the small businesses they're the ones who are getting hurt the most they are yeah and it's really I've been asked before what is the cost like how much more is it to build an accessible website and yeah. I don't think it's more. If no. you do it from the beginning, the That's correct right. way, it doesn't cost more because it's all about education of the people that are building the website. So, I mean, what you do at Abler's yeah. UX, it's inclusive UX design and testing and maybe not the design part, but it's right. Like it's complete usability. It's user experience. Yeah. And so it's making sure that UX designers know what uh, makes a website inclusive and accessible, and that's part of UX. But then also designers and content writers and developers need to know the background and the rules. And it's just like any other rules in design or in development. And then if you do it in a certain way, then it's accessible. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's easy for people that know what they're doing, right? Yeah. But when you don't know what you're doing, that's when you get in trouble it bothers me. It bothers me, and um, it is hard because for us, in terms of com competition for our business, you know, yeah. we we are compared to a freelancer who then can just add throw that on an o overlay yeah. onto it, and we can't compete with freelancers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
an I, agency, a full agency. That's the know? thing, right? I think that that's why some agencies have been like, oh, we might as well just go partner with them. But then it's like, yeah. you know, are you actually, you know, giving your clients the best service you can possibly do? Right. And as you talked about it, a lot of the, you know, basic best practices of development, you know, people often do like they'll take – you know, quickly shortcuts, right? They may, you know, in, in the business, you're trying to get pump out as much qual- high quality in a time, right? You have time constraint. You're trying to get a, you're trying to get to your clients as fast as possible, and so. But if you take the time, and I think that's where organizations like yours are intentional, intentionality about accessibility, mm-hmm. right? You're thinking about it, and that you're putting in that time in the in the beginning stages, so your clients can have a longer experience with an accessible website, right? Right. You're not just trying to get them something quick and quick and dirty. You're getting them something that's going to, they're going to be able to use the life of that site they need. So it goes back to, you know, what clients are looking for. If you really want something that you want a site that, you know, all people are going to be able to use and that you're going to be able to use for yeah. some, like you can build on top of because you, you have a strong foundation, then you go to Unity. Otherwise, you go to one of those freelancers <laughs> and get one of those little plugins, but yeah, you know, and cross your fingers. <laughs> exactly. And <laughs> when you get that lawsuit, we'll be ready. You can come talk to us. We'll help you fix it. You yes. know, it's like, it's like, but yeah, I mean, and that's the sad thing. We've been even seeing our, I mean, so many clients are just it. The number of lawsuits is, is growing, and we don't like to talk about it, right? But it's such a, it's they just send out these demand letters, and it's they're just spray like lawyers who are just like drive by spray by lawsuits. Yeah, and so. You know, it's like, you know, but that's the thing. If you know, we have clients who like, they've been going through a test. They have an accessibility conformance report, right? They can Mm -hmm. show, look, we did this. We worked with actual users with disabilities to provide us with actual usability. So we know whatever you're saying is incorrect. Yes. And that's why you you work with an organization like uh, Unity or with uh, Abler. That's one of the things that I love about Abler and like the reports that you create are those videos and like oh, yeah. the ex- <laughs> explanations of why. Like it's not just a tw- it's not just a scan of a site and yeah. it's really just there's there's actual people behind the work that you do and it's wonderful. Yeah. So, okay, let's let's pivot a little bit to workforce development because you're oh, talking yeah. about how that's part of your passion and when we met and you were at LCI Tech. Yeah. There is a big workforce development part of that. Oh, yeah. How is that working with Abler? And then also what new things do you have coming down the pipeline for workforce development? Yeah, so you know, workforce development has always been a big, big passion. That's really what drives me a lot. Like, yeah. Is that you know, do we do the digital accessibility and that side so that I can support the passion piece? And it's not that it's just a passion that's not a it's not a viable business. It is. It's very, you know, but it took a long time. So it took us almost two years, over two years, to develop a program and work with, you know, the state to kind of help build this out. And so we're very, very close. Right now we're, we're starting to recruit candidates to go through the program. And tell us about what the workforce development program is and who you're trying to serve with it. Yeah. So with the workforce development program, we're trying to get people, individuals, we're starting off with individuals who are blind, to get them into jobs uh, in digital accessibility. So initially, we built out a Salesforce uh, service cloud training program. And we thought, this would be great. You know, there's a lot of customer service jobs. Salesforce is, you know, relatively accessible out of the box. Mm-hmm. So we're, we'll be setting people up for success. And we, we tried to take that to the market last year with the state. And we got zero people signed up. Wow. And it was like, oh my gosh, did we just spend two years building this out, this program? And it, and, and then we like, let's just take a pivot 
because, you know, digital accessibility, we know that it's a lucrative business. There's lots of people who are interested in getting into it because I know how many people applied for jobs on my team. Mm-hmm. We had like three, four people on our team who, after two years on our team, they had zero years of work experience, but then a couple years on our team, they were able to go to big companies like McDonald's, CVS, Aetna, Pearson, and join their accessibility team. Yeah. But they would not have been able to do it before joining our team and getting that experience. So let's see how we can bottle that experience up, put it into this, into this program. And so the workforce development program that we designed, it, it, what makes it unique is it, it, it's a customized workforce development program. So we will help guide people wherever they are in their skill level and experience. So the first, it starts off with an assessment of the individual's uh, technology skills. Mm-hmm. Then from there, we can determine if you're ready to go into the customized training program, whether it be a digital accessibility training, whether it be a Salesforce. You know, we hope to go into computer game quality assurance. We nice. hope to go into, you know, all different types of web development, whatever an individual wants to go into. We have designed this module in that way. Mm-hmm. But if you're not ready to go into that program, we have an upskilling training program to awesome. get you those skills so that you can then go into those customized training programs uh, down the road when you're ready. Mm-hmm. Then we also have another module is career like exploration. Get to know, you know companies in the area. Do informational interviews. And then this is a way to get a mentor and understand what other people are going through, the challenges, mm-hmm. and realize you're not alone. And it also will help build empathy with other companies because the more we can get tours of people, it's like I, I had the experience of doing Leadership Raleigh, yeah. And we went all around. We got to experience North Carolina and then the, the city of Raleigh. I mean, all different aspects of it. We want to do that same thing with the companies. Cool. And so bring this people to the companies and that way the companies get to know and, you know, individuals who previously would not have that experience get that. Yeah. We're also doing career support. So after you go through the, up, I mean, the, the, the customized training program, we're going to help you get internships. We're going to help you get get you, uh, you know, job ready, resume writing, and and uh, interview prep. And so, and then finally, yeah, we will have an internship component of it. So wow. it's a it's a six module component, and you know, you can take whichever modules you want. And so, how is that? What's the relationship with the state of North Carolina? Yeah, so Division of Services for the Blind is uh, is funding this. And so the cool thing about it is, you know. We're going to start off with 10 people in, in the first cohort uh, that's going to be launching in, we're hoping in August, so August and November, mm-hmm. and then we'll be able to do another one in the spring. And so we'll be able to do this on an ongoing basis. And if it's successful here, we now have the blueprint to take to every other state. And, nice. And a yes. lot of it is being digital. So we have a mix of online trainings plus that in-person, you know, Zoom, you know, uh, discussions. And so... What's really great about it in North Carolina is what people don't realize is that we we are here in this triangle area. You know, we talk about Charlotte, but you know, majority and, and the triad area and Greensboro and stuff. But the majority of North Carolina is rural. Yeah. And so with this, we're able to tap into an entire community who previously had no access to this type of training. That's and, great. And then we'll be able to take this across the country, and, and, and we designed it in a way that can be scalable. It's super exciting. It is exciting. I can't <laughs> wait to talk with you in another year and just see where things are. I know. At that point, it's it's very it's very exciting. Um, your your passion of workforce development and, and, and getting people valuable like jobs that are meaningful, yeah. meaningful employment for people with disabilities who previously didn't have access to 
these kinds of well-paying and exciting and f- fulfilling jobs. Yeah. It reminds me of Greyston Bakery where their mission, their B Corporation, and their, they say, I don't know if it's their mission or if it's just like a tagline, they don't employ people to make brownies. They make brownies to employ people. Oh, interesting, yeah. And I think that I think of Abler in a similar way where hmm. you're not just employing people to test websites. No. And to and not even just test websites, like beyond just digital accessibility, you're going into the physical spaces. But you do these things, you have these services at Abler for accessibility and inclusion in order to employ people. And I think that's just really an awesome way of um, making an impact. Yeah, I mean, so when we really think about it, you know, I, I talk about the thing I'm most proud of, like, no matter what, if, if Abler closes today, the thing I'm most proud of is uh, there's a person on, my, on our team called Shannon Gardner. Her name is Shannon. And Shannon, she was the very first person to join my team. Right when I joined LCI, you know, we had this contract with a, a mobile app company and and they want to do scheduling. And they, you know, the issue about this, they they were claiming, oh, we're going to, you know, create all these jobs for blind people and all this stuff. But the problem was their app wasn't accessible. And the experience Shannon was having trying to sell this to companies on the phone was terrible because she couldn't even use it. She couldn't, <gasps> you're, hey. So, you know, they're claiming to, you know, selling you know, this, this false image, right? And so Shannon's like, I can't do this. And she went back to manufacturing. You know, LCI is a manufacturing company. Mm-hmm. She said, I can't do this. And she went back to manufacturing. And I was like, oh, gosh, I just failed this person. I, I just joined this company and I failed my first employee. Mm-hmm. And so when we launched the digital accessibility practice, I went back in that manufacturing floor and Shannon was working in the press room, this like really loud, like making file folders. Oh, I remember and I, that room. You remember that yeah. room? <laughs> and I was like, Shannon, come, let's go. I'm getting you out of here. And uh, I'm just like, join my team again. And she did. And, you know, now she is like, she's thriving. She went from a digital accessibility analyst to a senior analyst. And now she is playing a huge role in the workforce development program. She is going to be the trainer of people. Oh, and that's so, exciting. right. So we're seeing that upper mobility internally. And again, like I said, the, the three lines of business that we have at Abler with our, you know, digital accessibility services, our disability inclusion advisory services, and our workforce development program is to help organizations and help our own organization be more inclusive so that we can hire people. So we're, we're eating our own dog food in that sense, right? Yeah. So it's really exciting. It is. Well, you host a video series called All Access. <laughs> I would love to know what episode has changed your life. Oh, wow. I'm thinking about the recent ones. like Because, I mean, it's been so really cool. Because like the, the very first episodes I did, I did with uh, – I. Got a gentleman named uh, Genesis Asuncion, who is the head of accessibility at LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. When I was, um, before joining LCI and in my career, I thought I was the only blind person in the workforce. You know, I kind of felt this aloneness. Mm-hmm. Like, like, all I wanted to do, I remember telling people, I want to meet one executive who's blind. Yeah. I want to meet one person who's blind. That's it. Because I didn't know anyone. And that's why it was so exciting to meet Ed. Mm-hmm. But then, you know... I had the opportunity, once I once I opened up, coming out of the closet of a blind person, I started seeing, oh, my God, there's all these amazing people out there. And Jenison was one of those people. And he's the founder of Global Accessibility Awareness Day. He started, oh, you know, wow. coding boot camps across the, like, Boston, Toronto, San Francisco. And it's amazing, right? Here's a gentleman who's an executive at LinkedIn. And, and LinkedIn and has essentially changed a lot of my own awareness, right? It was like... 
once I was able to share my story and share things on LinkedIn, it really helped us grow. And so that, I have to say that was a big, you know, really kind of a game-changing, you know, um, interview for me. Because Jenison now has joined typically every Global Accessibility Awareness Day. He joins me on that. And uh, so that's always exciting. And uh, more recently, I am. Like the last couple of weeks, I've had a couple of friends. It's so funny because people have become friends now. It's not just, you know, when you interview, it's like, you know, we're friends. We're, it's, we're sharing, we're talking. And so people are getting a glimpse of a conversation that you and I would just have if we were having lunch. Yeah. Right. We did have this conversation. Which we should have lunch again soon. (laughs) We do. But you, you know what I mean? Like that's the kind of thing. And, and so, you know, a couple of weeks ago I had, um, Renee Espinoza from uh, Lazadio, which is a wayfinding application. Mm-hmm. And it, so they're providing uh, digital maps, accessible digital maps. And so you can go, like, it's like Google Maps for inside buildings also. Oh, that's and so great. it's really cool. But then let's say you you need some support. Like, all right, the map is showing me I'm here, but I'm not sure exactly what I'm seeing. You can push a button and you can get a customer service agent. Nice. Who can also tell you where you, they'll know where you are on the map and they'll be able to talk to you, what you're seeing through your camera. So it's really cool. And so I'm really excited about that. And this past week, uh, so Renee and I met because he saw a video of me on LinkedIn mm-hmm. for Drip My Cane. The, uh, oh, yeah, the that's to, cool. Yeah, and he, because Renee had started this company in Chile, and they have 240,000 people on their platform, and they want to come into the U.S. market. Oh, my gosh. And so he met me on a video that I did. He reached out, and we became friends. Mm-hmm. I introduced him to Alan Hale over at uh, General Motors, and they became friends because... Uh, Renee is doing, a, they're mapping out the city of Detroit. Ooh, cool. Know? Right? It's so cool. So it's so funny because, like, now these connections have become friends. And, yeah. you know, Alan asked me to come and speak at GM uh, next Monday. So they're having an innovation contest, which is going to be super cool. And uh, I'm uh, going to be the opening keynote for them. That's so cool. Yeah, my aunt used to work for GM. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing what their commitment to accessibility. So, mm-hmm. you know, Alan, he has essentially has designed their new accessibility like department at GM, and they're bringing on a lot of people. And Because, wow. you know, as we think about the future of, of transportation and mobility, mm-hmm. people with disabilities are going to be a part of that. A huge part. Right? Yeah. And so they're planning for that future right now. And, uh, so it's super exciting. You know, I left North Carolina because I couldn't drive. I couldn't mm-hmm. get around. And now, you know, Uber changed my life. And who knows what's going to happen in the next 10, 20 years. Right. I mean, I think that if we can get a robust public transportation system here, more people, you know, we're talking about RTP, right? People that we're getting, they're trying to build up a downtown, right, in, in RTP. Downtown Raleigh, where we are right now, mm-hmm. you know, there's a mass growth here, right? People <laughs> want to come in here. But we're unique in the way that we have, you know, these, like, we're in the suburbs. So we had to figure out a way to get people moving from one place to the next. And, yeah. And it, I think if we can get a good public transportation here, I think it would just be really revolutionized the way we that we enjoy Durham, right, from yeah. Raleigh to Durham to Cary to Chapel Hill and uh, and all the other cool stuff in between. I agree. I can't wait for that day. Yes, I know. I've been waiting my whole <laughs> life. Yeah, you me know. too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my final question for you is, what person or company doing good has had the biggest impact on you? Oh, wow. Yeah, so I think that the company that's had the biggest impact on me in the last couple of years really has been uh, Lindsay Reg over at uh, 32 on Coffee. And, um, you know, I met Lindsay, I was introduced by uh, a gentleman named Mike Vaglis, and he introduced me to Lindsay. And Lindsay was in college at the time, for people who don't know, she's a college student who started a coffee shop that was designed to create employment for individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities because she had friends growing up who 
who did have disabilities, and she wanted to create an, a, an inclusive workspace for them. And so she created this coffee shop called 321, and uh, when I met her, it was just her energy, her, you know, that hunger. She had grit, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I, my wife and I, we just, like, we her, we really fell in love with Lindsay and Michael, her partner, and uh, we invested in them. And um, and I'd say that they've had the biggest impact on me over the last couple, couple of years, not only as a Lindsay, you know, she, you know, even though she's only, like, 22, 23 years old, she has just really kind of, Push me to be a better leader, and uh, and I'm thankful for that relationship, that friendship, and uh, and I love the work that they're doing. And um, and her partner Michael always reminds me that we're almost I'm almost twice as old as him, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, so funny to think because like I can't imagine where they're going to be uh, when they're 40 years old. Yeah. So yeah, awesome company there. That's get so coffee. cool. <laughs> I, yeah, their coffee is really good. Yeah, they were the top coffee shop in the triangles. So. Yeah. And Lindsay actually went to the same high school as me 15 years after I did. But Kennedy Academy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. I mean, like, that's a, I mean, it, it's amazing. Again, another homegrown talent here. So we can't, we can't knock Kerry. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a lot better than it was back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you again for joining me, John. It's always great to talk with you. If people want to learn more about you and what you're doing, how do they connect with you? Oh, thank you. Yeah, they can reach out to ablr360.com or reach out to me on my email address, john.samuel at ablr360.com. And also, I'm, I'm active on LinkedIn, so please, please join me there. Thank you so much to John Samuel for joining us on Inside Impact. For more on Abler, visit abler360.com. That's A-B-L-R-360.com. And thank you for listening to Inside Impact. If you like this show, we'd love it if you would give us a rating and review on whatever podcast app you're using right now. For all of you making an impact in your communities, let's hear about it. Send us an email to podcast at unitywebagency.com and we'll be sure to mention what you're doing on the show or even have you on. This podcast was edited and produced by Earfluence. I'm Elisa Hur, and we'll talk to you again soon on Inside Impact.